This series, What We Do, is, is based on what God has done in the New Testament by bringing a church together. In Galatians 3 and 26, it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Christ's work on the cross, we, he came to this earth, he lived, he died, he, he rose from the dead. His work on the cross not only brought us salvation, but it brought a family, and it made us part of the family. You became born again, and when you became born again, it was a spiritual birth that took place that you became adopted children of God. Remember, not everybody's a child of God, only those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. So now we're a part of the family of God. We're also a part, and he placed us as part of this universal family known as the church. In Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus says this, I will build my church, and the gates of hell or the gates or the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'm going to build my church. That is we believe that that is the first time that Jesus ever says the word church. The second chapter of Acts, the book of Acts, is just that. It's the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the New Testament church. What the book of Acts is, it's, it is records of the New Testament church. It records what the New Testament church did. And what we find out is there, there, there were different things that happened. They, were, they saved and they baptized people. And within weeks, the church began to grow. In Acts 2 and 42, it talks about the unique behaviors of the church. As the church began to grow, it developed unique behaviors. It took on its, its own identity. And as it did, we see certain characteristics and certain actions of the New Testament church. For example, Acts 2 and 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So there was this culture of self-devotion. There was a culture of self-devotion to discipleship, biblical, which, which is basically biblical teaching and, and gathering generosity and prayer. And this is what they did. So what we're doing is we're taking a look at what they did as his church, and we consider these things as what we do. That's the idea of this series, what we do. The 44th verse of Acts, the second chapter, says this. The believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. This, uh, this is, they didn't have to do this. This was some generosity that was happening in their lives. It says in, 46, in verse 46, it says, They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, Join the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So people were being saved, and people were being baptized, lives were being changed, and what we see is, as a church, we see our calling through their example. Can you see that? We see, can you see that? We see our calling, we see our model in their example. That's what we want to do. A lot of people say, well, we're a New Testament church. Well, if you're really a New Testament church, you take a look at what the New Testament disciples in the church were doing, and you model what we do. And we don't do it exactly like that, and there is a modernization that has happened in the church, and, but the idea and the heart is the same. So as the family of God, and now I'm going to review kind of what we've been talking about. As the family of God, Christ's church, what they did and what we do, let's review. First of all, 
we meet together. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Acts 2 and 42 says the, the believers met together in one place. They worshiped together in the temple and they met in homes. So there was a public gathering that, that took place every single day because of the massive amounts of people that were being saved. But they did meet together publicly and they also met together in homes. Now I see and I talk to people or I've talked to different pastors who say, well, we just have a house church. Well, I understand if you have a house church, but according to the model of the New Testament scripture, they met publicly, and the only reason they would eventually meet privately because it was against the law. I want you to consider what would happen happen in the United States if the church as a whole decided that we, we would not meet publicly. That is a very significant thing because the church publicly stands for something in our nation. If you believe that, say amen. So they had public gatherings that were in the temple or in the synagogue. They had a home church, private gatherings that met in homes that were more personal. But when we meet together, we can change the world because there was power when we gather. What else do we do? Acts 6 talks about this. They pray together. We pray together. We don't just meet together, but we pray together. It says this, Acts 6 and 4 says, but we will devote ourselves. This is the apostles. It says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. There is purpose and there is power when we unite in prayer. Listen to me. You will never experience the power of prayer. What is the power of prayer? That is the things that you pray for, you receive an answer. When you pray for healing, when you pray for a job, when you pray for different things, the power of prayer is that there is answer in prayer. But I want to tell you, you will never experience the power of prayer until you understand the purpose of prayer. And we talked about that uh, last week. Watch that or listen to that podcast. Another thing is, man, it's important that the church not just pray individually, but the church prays together. And I want to say this real quickly. Every single Sunday morning from 9 to about 9.20, we have prayer meeting. I want to strongly encourage you, if you have some needs in your life, it's just a small group of us, but if something's going on in your life, if you need answers from God, I want to strongly recommend that, that, that you bring those things to the group and let us pray for you. Every single week, we pray for individuals. What's going on over here? This, you know, this young lady's sick. This young lady is, or this guy over here has got this going on. We will gather around them, and we do what the New Testament says. We, we lay hands on each other. We pray for each other as a spiritual connection. It's a very special time, and I believe that God is moving mightily through our prayer meetings as we gather in prayer together. Uh, and today, I want to continue with this. That's my review. Today, I want to continue with what we do is that we grow together. We grow together. Acts 2 and 47 says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. As they continued to do and to walk in their calling, as they did what they did, as they met together in homes, as they met together in the synagogue, as they prayed together, as they, as they prayed individually, they began to grow together. How did that happen? The scripture says that God added to those. God added to those that were being saved. I want to tell you something. As a pastor, I can't make the church grow. I really can't. I can't make this body grow. I can do, and I can walk in my calling. I can, I, I can plant a church. I can disciple people. I can teach the word. I can bring leaders around me. I can do everything that God has called me to do, but I can't bring growth. It's kind of like you want to grow grass at your house, or you want to grow a tree. You can't make anything grow. 
You can plant the seed, you can water it, you can fertilize it, but there's a natural process that God has put in order that brings growth. And what we find out is that God brought growth to the New Testament church as they did what they were supposed to do. So listen to this. You might be asking, is it really important that the church grows? Is it important that the church grows? Because I've, I've talked to people before. Personally, I don't, I don't know if I want a really large church. You say, well, it's a good thing, Travis, because you don't pastor a church at 2,000. It's convenient for you to say. But the truth is, when I started a church, uh, there were people that were trying to talk me into going to Dallas. Travis, you've, Travis you're, you've got the opportunity. You've got the ability. You've got the education. You've got all the things to grow a really, really large church. I really wasn't interested. I got no desire to live in Dallas. I mean, traffic is a part of your life. That, that tells you my true intention, doesn't it? I mean, traffic, you've got to factor in commuting. You got everywhere you go, everywhere you go, you got to stand in line. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in community. I'm interested in when I go up and I show up at somewhere, you know, at a that everybody knows who I am. I go to this restaurant over here. Uh, what's it called? I've been going there since the church started. We, that, that restaurant's been there. I go in there and they're like, "Hey, you know, Travis, what's going on? Hey, Jose, how you doing? You know, it just." It's, that's what it's like, and you know, in a lot of places, you guys know what I'm talking about. Everywhere you go in town, it's kind of like, hey, you know, that's, that's that, and that's him, that's her, whatever. I kind of like that feel. I also like, you know, you're always next in line at the cash register or at the stoplights. It turns red. Everybody gets through. I mean, it turns, excuse me, it turns, <laughs> it turns green. Everybody goes, you know what I'm saying, and Kate, except for those two people that are on their phones, and then, you know, oh, but, you know, it's, 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 I like, I like smaller communities, I like that, but, you know, same thing, I like going to church, when the church first started, it, that everybody knows everybody, and, and when we first started, and we got to have, like, 50 or 60 people, we did everything together, we ate together, we played softball, everybody was family, it's kind of like that, but in order for the family of God to grow, in order for people to be saved, the, the, the family had to grow. So that's, that's something that we ask ourselves. It's something that i got to ask me, myself. It's something that you need to ask yourself. Is it really important that the church grow? Another question is, why should the church, why should church growth matter to me? Why should church growth matter to me? And what is my role as far as church growth? I want you to ask yourself that. Why does church growth matter to you, and what is your role? Ephesians 4 and 11 says this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church. He gave them apostles. He's basically talking about church leadership. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And he says their responsibility. So the, the church leadership has a responsibility that's different than the congregation. He says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and what? And build up the church, which is the body of Christ. So what happened was God established church leadership. Everybody look at me, okay? Everybody look at me. God established church leadership, and I want everybody to look at me and say, he's talking to you. Yeah, all right? And then... He established church leadership in order to equip God's people. Look at your neighbor and say, now he's talking to you. 
Look at your neighbor and say, actually, he's talking to me. So there's, so there's different roles. And, but the whole point of what I'm doing, the whole point of what God has called you to do is all about building up the body, to build the body of Christ so it will grow. We see that word several times in this passage. Ephesians 4 and 13 says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So there is a maturity and there is a standard that God has put in place that, that Christ has for us as individuals in the church. Now, here's what I understand. As far as church growth, I believe that there, as far as my understanding, there's two types of growth. Number one is numerical growth. Why do we need numerical growth? For strength. We can do more together. We can do more when we are united. There's things that we can do as we grow and there are things that we cannot do if we don't grow and if we don't get stronger. For example, I've learned that we can have a greater missional impact in the community. We can do more things beyond borders and in other parts of the world as we grow. We can make a greater mark on the community if we, if we grow. We can have a larger dream team in the foyer or the lobby. We can have people helping out more in the coffee bar. It helps when we have a fully functional kids ministry and we don't have to close this classroom and combine the kids. As we grow numerically, it just it becomes, it becomes more of an impact. We, it helps if you have greeters and it helps if we have ushers. It also helps if, if we decide that we want to do something like bikes for kids. We have found out that numerically it takes about 100 people to do that. Numerically, there is strength in our numbers. That's, that's the idea of numerical growth. It's all about strength. When we have more generous givers, we can make more of a difference. Strength in, is in numerical growth because we can do more together. There is strength in numerical growth because we can do more together. But there's also another growth, and number two is spiritual growth. So numerical growth is all about strength, but spiritual growth that's all about maturity. As we grow larger, it's important that we grow in maturity. As we grow larger, it's important that we grow deeper. Our roots have to grow deep in the knowledge of the Word of God. Why? Because bigger doesn't necessarily mean more mature. Being larger doesn't necessarily mean wiser or smarter. Here's what I found out. Crowds don't equal committed followers of Christ. You have, to be, you have to be committed to maturity. Uh, we must become mature in faith and the knowledge of Christ as we grow in number. Why is this? Because the larger we grow numerically, the more we become a target for our enemy, the devil. What happens is, as long as we don't grow, as long as we don't have an impact on our culture, as long as we don't, you know, as long as people aren't getting saved, baptized, disciples, as long as nothing is happening, we're staying really, really small, and, you know, we're having this social gathering every single, we love each other, we're a family, but really nothing's happening as far as missional impact, and, and people aren't getting saved. As long as we're doing that, I don't, you know, I, my experience is the enemy doesn't attack us, but the minute we start growing, he starts attacking. 
When we start making a difference, when, we're deci- when we decide, hey, we're going, to, we're going to launch this campaign, we're going to do this Bikes for Kids, or we're going to make sure, we're going to bring our friends, and the church begins to grow, and we're going to have this, we have this building campaign, whatever it looks like, the more we start stepping out in faith, the more we start trying to make a difference, the more we become a target with, for the enemy. And here's what happens. The mature, or the immature and the weak get picked off by the enemy. That's why the larger we grow, the more we have to grow spiritually. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. The enemy attacks, not the healthy, but the enemy attacks the weak and the young. Ephesians 4 and 13 says this. He talks about why we need to be mature. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like the truth. Immaturity is okay for children. You don't have to teach a child to be immature. It's born in them. In fact, you have to drive that out of kids, right? Immaturity is okay for children, but there comes a time for maturity especially when it comes to spiritual matters, when it comes to giving your life to Christ, when it comes to walking with God. There is a time for immaturity, but there is also a time for maturity where we grow as far as spiritual matters. And here's the deal. Maturity recognizes and rejects the trickery and the lies of the enemy. Let me say that again. Maturity. This is why we got to grow in maturity, because The more you're a part of Faith Code Church, the more you start trying to make a difference, the more you're a part of ministry, the more you're a part of a connect group, the more you grow, the more you become a target for the enemy. Maturity recognizes and rejects the trickery and the lies of the enemy. I think about the trickery of what's happened over the last 2000, I'm sorry, since 2020, I, thought, I think about the trickery of all that has happened. Uh, I believe that it fooled a lot of immature believers. The woke media, the conspiracy theories, the fake social justice organizations, the false prophets, they made a heyday off the immature Christians and believers. I saw it. I had other friends and pa- I, I couldn't believe the way people that I thought were mature I couldn't believe the way people acted. The people that, that, that were, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about the other churches, okay? I couldn't believe the way people who loved each other, that were in connect groups with each other, and, and people that were a part of the church, and how they were fooled by this. And I'm telling you, the devil laughed all the way to the bank over the immature Christians who caused divisions and left their home churches over this nonsense. But if you were a mature believer... You waited it out. We kept our mouth shut. We got off social media. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we got off social media. We left all of that alone. Why? Because we've seen this before. It was the same thing in a different package. We've seen it. We saw it in, in, at the turn of the, the, the century in 2000. It's the same thing in a different package. The devil attacking the church. And he goes after, he's kind of like a wolf. He goes after the spiritually young. He goes after the weak. And it's been happening for thousands of years. And the apostle Paul was talking about this when he was talking about the fact that we have to grow up and be mature believers. He says in verse 15, he says, we stay true. Nothing nothing about us has changed. We stay true. Instead, 
we will speak the truth in love. We're going to speak the truth, but we're going to speak the truth in love. Growing, everybody say growing. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Every single person has a special work to perform within the body of Christ. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The Apostle Paul talks about the body growing in every way, and he places priority on both numerical and spiritual growth with words like fit, phrases like fit together, works together. It helps the other parts grow. The strong help the weak grow. It's healthy and growing and he says a sign of that is that it is full of love. Why does this matter to me, you might be asking yourself. Why does a healthy, growing church matter to me? Because I attend and, you know, I, I, I get from church what I want. Why does that matter? Because there are benefits to a church that's healthy and growing. You might be thinking, well, what are those benefits? I'm glad you asked. Number one, <laughs> I'm a numbers person. Number one. What a healthy, growing, strong, mature church can do, number one, it can save people. Would you believe that we're in the business of saving lives? I don't know, Travis, nobody's really drowning. Well, they might be spiritually. They might be dying in their homes. They might be dying, you know, as, as, far, as, uh, as far as their marriages. They might, not, they might be addicted to drugs. They might be addicted to making bad decisions. They might be addicted to uh, sexual behavior. They might be addicted to something. I don't know. But what I found out is, is a strong, healthy church, when it's united, when it's committed to growth, it can save lives. You know, salvation, well, let me back up. Romans 10 and 13 says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord, there, there's a, a faith factor in that, but everybody who calls on the name of the Lord, I believe in you, Lord. I believe in you, Lord. Save me. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is not meant to be complicated. Salvation is meant to be a simple process. Yet a lot of people choose not to be saved because of what comes after the, the living for God. My experience is most people give their lives to Christ at a church setting like this. Most people. Now, I have led somebody, I've led people to Christ outside of church, but my experience is, if you were to say, hey, what is the most effective tool for getting people saved? Well, obviously, you are, okay? But the tool for somebody actually, or the venue, or the vehicle for people stepping across the line, I mean, I've gotten them to church, I've talked to them, I've invested in their lives, something we're going to talk about a little bit next week. I've, I've you know, I've, I've, I've had them be a part of my life for some time, and I've I believe that they're about to step across that line. There is not a more effective means by which people will come to Christ as the local church on a weekend service because of all the things. They see the body of Christ in action. That's my experience. That's why we bring our friends. That's why we talk about something I'm going to talk about next week called uh, you're one. We reach one person at a time, reach the world one person at a time as the Spirit leads them through what happens through our services. It's, it's interesting what, this, what, what is the deciding factor of an individual. I've had, I would like for people to say, uh, when they come up to me, once they have given their life to Christ, I would like for them to say, Pastor Travis, I want you to know that the words that you said to me today 
and during that message, I want you to know that that had such an impact on my life that I decided to give my life to Christ. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> That's not what I hear most of the time. It's usually, it's, it's more like this. You know what, Pastor Travis? I, I felt the presence of God as you guys were singing. Would you believe that I've, I've heard people that have given their lives to, during the singing? I don't know how different people decide to give their lives to Christ. I, I've talked to people before that said, there was a lady that came and talked to me. That, that they, the first time they left, they, they told each other that they would never go back because the music was a little bit too loud. Has, has anybody ever experienced that? You, you walked away, well, Pastor Travis' guitar, his solo is a little bit on the loud side, maybe. Well, I, I've had people say that to me a couple a long time ago, said, I, I, I was a part of the worship service, you know, I did not like, and I didn't understand the standing the entire time. They stood at attention the entire time while everybody sang. I don't understand that. There's, we have a lot of different backgrounds here. But what caught their attention was the people that were serving. And over time, they got to noticing what was going on in the kids' ministry and how they could be a part of life change in, in the kids' ministry. And God began to work on their lives over time. And they became a part of the church. I don't know exactly, but I can tell you this. Through people serving, through people singing, through the kids' ministry, people serve. What happens is God deals with people during worship and the word. And what happens is people find God. Lives are changed. People give their lives to Christ. People get baptized. They start attending growth track. They get involved in connect groups. And they start serving. Here's the deal. Surrendering to Christ not only saves our souls for this life, or uh, surrendering to Christ not only saves our souls for the next life, it saves our lives for this life. It puts things back together in this life. People change. They live on purpose. Families get put back together. Broken lives find comfort and healing because a growing and a mature church can save lives. Number two, a growing and a mature life, why we've got to be concerned about growth is because not only does it save people, it can build people. It builds people. Ephesians 4 and 12 says their responsibility, talking about church leadership, is to equip God's people to do his work and, what's the word there? Build up the church, which is the body of Christ. We're not trying to have, we're not trying to be a big church. We are committed to be a building church. Now, if God wants to grow this church and we have to go to two or three services, that's, that's, that's on him if that's something that he wants to do. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to build people, one individual, one couple, one child at a time. We want to build lives. How do we do it? By making disciples of saved people. Every gathering, you're growing. Every gathering, you're growing. You might be thinking, you know what? I've heard Pastor Travis' joke. I've heard this joke before. I heard this, he, he tells his jokes, he tells the same jokes about, I have like a three-year cycle, is that okay? About a three-year cycle. If I've got a really good joke, I might do it about every two years. You might be thinking, you know, I've heard this in a different pattern, whatever, but every time you come to church, you're not just going, you're growing. It's kind of like, you know, you go into a restaurant, you ever gone into a restaurant and you you go in there and you eat, and you know, when it's time to set back, you know, you think, I can't eat one more thing. And they come up to you and say, would you like a, you know, a complimentary sopapilla? And all of a sudden, you can get that in. You got to loosen your belt a little bit. You go out of there and you think, man, I think I just grew a little bit. I'm going to pay for that later. That's what happens. 
When, we, when we're going, we're growing. Why? Because a growing, strong, and a mature church builds people. Lastly, a growing, strong, healthy church, it saves people, it builds people, and lastly, it sends people. It sends people. Romans 10 and 15 says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news or the gospel. Our goal is growth at Faith Code Church happens as a result of people being saved, baptized, and discipled. That's our goal. Now, what happens is, a lot of times in churches, you have transfer growth. And it happens every time a, a new church comes to town. That's what's called transfer. Hey, it's a new church. It's a new thing. You, you get a lot of that from churches. We experienced it when we started our church 25 years ago. What happened was you get a lot of transfer growth. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? Had there not been transfer growth at Faith Co. Church, we, wouldn't able to get, we, were not, we would not have been able to get started. However, the goal is that we build a church through saving people, right? Yes, what we want is we want to get people saved. We want to get people who are unchurched to be church. We want to get people who are not a part of the body of Christ. We want to get them saved and baptized, and that's how we want to grow a church. Um, then we send them into the world. Once people give their lives to Christ, the strategy is that we send them into their world. We send them into their schools. We send them to their colleges. We send them into their career, their, co their, their jobs. We send them out into the world and they reach people. We send them. Why? Because his church isn't just about saving people, but it's also about sending people. I want to say that again. It's not just about saving people, but it's also about sending people. That's what the church is. Amen? I want to close with this. We meet together we pray together, and as we do what we do, we grow together. Because a growing and a healthy spiritual body, a church, according to his plan, it saves people, it builds people, and it sends people. And that's why we've got to be growth-minded. Amen? That's why we got to, that's why we got to, Invite our friends. That's why we need to attend. That's why we, we want to be a part of what the church is doing because a healthy, growing church, it saves people, it builds people, and it sends people. Amen? I want to challenge you to be growth-minded. Be a growth-minded believer. What is your part? What is your next step that you need to take? Is your next step to be a part of the church, is it to give your life to Christ? Is your next step, is it to, hey, I, I need to get started in my discipleship. I need to be a part of growth track. Is it to join a connect group? Is it to lead a connect group? What is it? What is it to be growth-minded in your life? What can you do? What can I do to build the body of Christ? That it will cause it to grow numerically, that it will cause it to grow spiritually. What does that look like, and what is my role? Ask yourself that as we pray today. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord for speaking to us today. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the lives of every individual. I pray, Lord, that you will minister to people today. And in this, in this moment, I ask, Lord, that you will deal with us. May we all do spiritual inventory right now. And as we're 
looking inward through our spirits. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us and show us the next step that we need to take to build your body, which is your church. In the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed, I want to ask you again, what is your next step? What is your step in building the body of Christ? Is it that you need to give your life to Christ? Is it something as simple as being a part of a connect group? Is it that you need to begin the discipleship process? What is your next step? And as the Holy Spirit brings that into your mind's eye, I want to pray with you right now. And if you're seated next to somebody that you're close to or you love, take that person by the hand. Let's pray for each other. If you can't think of something in your life, pray for that person sitting next to you that God will deal with him, God will deal with her. Lord, I pray for every person that's here. What is their next step? I pray that your spirit will begin to speak to them. What is, what is the step that they need to take to build not only their lives, but also will build your church because there's no way that we build your church without first building our lives. And there's no way that we build our lives that it does not affect your church because we are the church. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us and as we hear your voice by your spirit, we say yes. We don't ignore what you want to say to us, but Lord, we, we accept the challenge we accept the calling and we act on what we believe you're saying to us today. In the name of Jesus, if you receive that same man, if you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. As we always do, if you're here and you don't know Jesus and he's not Lord and Savior of your life for whatever reason, I'd like to invite you to be a part of the family of God. If you're watching us online, and you're not a part of Faith Code Church, or you're not a part of the body of Christ, and you have not accepted Jesus, this is your opportunity to be a part of the family of God. If you're here today and you say, Travis, I, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. He's not Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe you say, Travis, I, I once lived for God, but I have walked away from him, and today I really feel like that he's calling me home, and I need to make a decision today. You feel like he's dealing with you, or maybe you don't know, but, and, you, and you want to be sure of it. Whatever that looks like, I'm going to pray, and as I pray, you just repeat a prayer after me, and today you can make things right with the Lord. It's not meant to be complicated. It's meant to be simple. With nobody looking around, I'd like to know if I'm praying for anybody. I'm not going to ask you to stand. We don't do that. I'm not going to ask you to stand or walk the aisles. I'd like to know if there's somebody in the house. If that's you, you say, Travis, as you pray, I'm going to pray with you. Just to let me know I'm praying for somebody. Real quickly, just put your hand up and put it down to let me know, hey, Travis, today is the day for me, and I'm going to give my life to Christ, or I'm going to rededicate my life to Christ. Can anybody say that in the house today? What about online? Can you say that? Can you say today, Pastor Travis, I am going to give my life to Christ? As we pray, just repeat this after me. And let's come home if you're here. Just let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today, and I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. 
I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins as I confess them today. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Guys, by faith, let's welcome those that have come home today.